everybody. Welcome to another episode of Mental Health Matters. This is Tom Duff, the Executive Director of St. Louis Counseling. Check us out at stlouiscounseling.org. That's spelled out, stlouiscounseling.org. And you are listening to Mental Health Matters, the podcast that breaks down stigma to make mental health okay to talk around the water cooler at work or around the dinner table at home. So um, once again, we constantly have um, entertaining guests, interesting guests, guests that open the doors to more thought-provoking areas. And um, one of our guests today, of course, is Angie Peacock. And Angie, I actually first met Angie. Um, it looks like you have a little friend there too. I like that. Um, but uh, Angie and I first met, uh, well, probably six months ago. Uh, and we were at a panel together at uh, First United Methodist Church in Manchester here in St. Louis. And Angie is a veteran of the U.S. Army, a graduate with a master's in social work, and works for the Wounded, Wa Wounded Warriors Project as well too. Hi, Angie. How are you? Hi. Actually, I was a volunteer with Wounded Warrior Project and an oh. alumni. Oh, but, yeah. okay. Great, yeah. great. Yeah. So, uh, you know, when we met and I was listening to your story, uh, at that point, I was like, man, I got to get her on the podcast. And we were just kind of up and coming at that point. And then uh, St. Louis Counseling and you crossed paths again. And I was like, oh, that was Angie. I got to get her in. So um, mm -hmm. luckily, uh, Debbie was able to um, make those connections for us and we're here. But uh, Debbie, or I'm sorry, uh, Angie is not here right now in the studio with us. She's out on the road. I mean, let's let's talk a little bit about that right off the bat. So you're on the road doing what? I am um, traveling across the Southwest for the entire winter, bringing a film that I'm a subject in. It's called Medicating Normal. And I'm basically living in an RV, traveling to different communities. We screen the film privately and you know, with the select audiences because we are getting into film festivals right now. So we just have some friends that we're seeing on the road, showing it to them. We have a community discussion afterwards. We talk about all things, topics in mental health, from diagnosis to medication, to health literacy, to psychiatric drug withdrawal, which is an unrecognized um, thing that's happening. And then <clears throat> we do kind of a Q&A afterwards. And then I moved to the next spot. So right now I'm in Austin, Texas, living in an RV and preparing for a private screening on December 18th. Awesome. Austin. So, okay, first of all, how yeah. is it in the RV traveling across the, the Southwest? It's there? pretty cool. Actually, actually, a friend was joking with me. She's like, is you should make a business. It's like mental health mobile because because oh. <laughs> oh, yes. I'm in the woods. I'm in the woods and I, you know, I have to cook my food and I sit by the fire. I go for walks and it's extremely calming for me. And then I, you know, this is my small little space. I have less clutter. I got rid of like all of my things. I, I was just posting this morning about, I got rid of like 90% of my stuff. Please do not buy me anything for Christmas. Oh my God. Please. Because I don't have room for it, you know, but so I'm living cleansing. in a smaller space. Yeah. Isn't that, it that is, it is, right? it is, yeah. it really is. Wow, that's awesome. Yes, and you know everything I own has its own spot. And so when I take it out of its spot, I put it right back. And that just makes me feel calmer. Uh -huh. There's not a clutter around me. Everything's more simple, you know. Organized. It's pretty cool. And a little mindfulness yes. being out in the woods there as well. Definitely, definitely. So let's go yeah. back then, um, you know, uh, as, a, as a veteran, right? And your story is, um, you know, so insightful uh, from what you experienced uh, within 
uh, the armed services, uh, and then of course uh, after you got out, so which has led you down this path today, right? But maybe yeah. let's talk a yeah. little bit about, um, you know, I, I know you're pretty open about mental health and and the issues that you've endured. So maybe let's start first with what what happened and and how did this journey begin for you? So what happened was I was um, serving in the United States Army. We got deployed right after 9-11. I was deployed to Baghdad, Iraq. Um, but before going into that, I did have a sexual assault. So I already had like a little bit of trauma within the military. And then when I was deployed to Iraq, I got sick really quickly. And I dropped down from 140 pounds to 100 pounds. You could see all my bones and my skeleton. You know, it was really scary. I thought I was going to die. I had like nosebleeds and fainting and um, my pulse rate would go out of control. I had fevers. And then on top of that, I'm doing convoys in Baghdad and trying not to get shot at and, you know, all the bombs that are around, all, all kinds of things that were danger everywhere. So I was pretty convinced I was either going to die from um, whatever sickness that I had or from the war zone itself. That led to panic attacks pretty quickly. Um, you know, like I felt really scared and sad. And then Finally, after six months, I was medically evacuated out of theater. I was sent back to Germany. The day after I returned home, our convoy was hit by an IED, which is basically a bomb on the side of the road. And one of my soldiers came back on a stretcher. He told me the story after he came out of surgery. And it was at that point that I sought help. But the help that I received immediately was just medication. I didn't get counseling. Nobody talked to me. Nobody said like, what you're feeling is normal. Um, you just came out of a war zone, you're sick, you should be feeling scared. You know, I was just immediately treated with medication. So that led to um, a cocktail, which, which, you know, for education purposes is called polypharmacy, you know, where you take one med and then all of a sudden you still feel depressed and you still feel anxious and you can't, now you can't sleep and now your stomach hurts and now you have headaches. So that led to, I was put on 18 medications at the same time. And that was in 2005, 2006, 18. And I didn't know which way was up or down. I gained weight. I had horrible acne. Nobody, the, the sad part about the whole thing is that nobody ever said, like, let's look at your meds. It was always like, you're mentally ill. This is a, the illness that you have. This is PTSD getting worse. And I really believe that narrative, you know, that like I was never, I was never going to go to school. These are things that people told me. I would never go to school again. I would have to take medications for the rest of my life. And I would always have this illness. And I believe that, um, I think in around 2009, I sought more treatment, um, like at an inpatient level for post-traumatic stress. I drove all the way to California to get treatment. Um, then I started, something inside of me woke up, like maybe you're not as broken as people think you are. Like, let's take less medicine. So I worked with my provider and slowly started to taper off some of the medication. I got a service dog. I started doing equine therapy. I started doing peer mentoring, art, writing, pretty much anything I could think of that would help. And then I don't even think I knew it consciously, but over the course of like 10 years, I slowly tapered off all that medication and got down to zero. And so now I'm four years off of all medication. And I'm not saying that's for everybody, but for me, that was what I had to do to um, kind of regain myself. Wow. Wow. Well, amazing um, that you're able to do that. And, and, you know, what you described, all those traumas, you know, just one of those traumas by itself is difficult, let alone everything that you endured, you know, from the assault um, and then the sickness. And I think that's a lot of times where we don't realize 
you know, we, we think of issues and people may have, but sometimes we don't realize the impact just a, a physical illness that overtook you can have just by itself and what it does yeah. for a mental health. Right, right. Well, and just being on the treatment that I received, the 18 medications, I mean, I was classified as seriously mentally chronic and severe. I was homeless at a point. I, um, I remember like going to 12 step meetings, not having anything to eat. Like it was severe. It was like, I didn't leave my house for four years. I mean, it was severe, but those, and that's kind of what the film is about. Um, it's called medicating normal, meaning like I had a normal reaction to trauma. I had a normal reaction to being sick in a, in a war zone at 24 years old where my friends were dying around me. I should be affected. That doesn't mean I have like some disease that's incurable, you know? And that's all about the trauma-informed care that we should know, you know, like from a social work standpoint, that mm -hmm. what I noticed is that every client I had had trauma. Yeah. I don't, I didn't look at them as they were ill. I was like, oh my God, you live in the inner city and your kids are getting shot at in the middle of the night. Of course you're scared, mm -hmm. you know? So it's all about that normal reaction to our life circumstances, you know, that brings us to seek help or whatever. Yeah. And I think, uh, I think. I think you raise a really good point, you know, for people to think that, you know, like you, like combat or anything that's, that you endured that, you know, people can handle that if they have a good support system. Yes, there might be an ability to handle it on certain levels, but ultimately we, sh you should feel that way. You know, um, you should feel yeah. anything that you were feeling. So when you describe that, that the move, uh, documentary, documentary, I think it's really important, um, that which excites me to be able to see it too, because I think that's a part of society that sometimes we forget about is, you know, we expect these brave individuals to go out and, and do these jobs and these, and fulfill their duty and they can handle it. All right. They're, they're geared for it. They're trained for it. But in reality, our body, yeah. it, it takes such a toll. Yeah, no, we, and I always remember you know, I trained for a war. I was like, I trained for this. I'm definitely going, you know, I trained for this. But then when you get there, you can train all day and all night, but it's not the same when you're in the war zone. And really, even now, I've done a lot of, um, I've, I did a lot of reading, research. I've gone to um, somatic experiencing training to learn more about like the nervous system and trauma and stuff. And now I'm convinced that like, I almost like my nervous system was injured. So my ability to calm myself it doesn't work the same way because I was living in such high stress, um, you know, having to look for danger. So it's almost like I learned how to be hypervigilant. I learned how to not sleep at night because that would, you know, protect the guys on guard duty. There was so it was it's almost like all this fear learning that you learn to be aware and afraid to, to keep yourself out of danger. And that's an evolutionary thing that my body does for survival. So it's like if you, you know, let me, I'm trying to think of a better example, but like, I always think about like, if you hit a dog, the dog is going to learn to be afraid of you. You wouldn't tell the dog, don't be afraid of me. I'm not going to hurt you and then hit it. Yeah. So it's like our body learns those things. That doesn't mean there's anything wrong with us. I look at it almost like as a gift. Like my body did that to keep me alive. Yeah, Like it's, totally. it's in my DNA to make me live through that situation. And I did, exactly. you know? Well, and, so. and I think you also, when we compare you know, we all have mental health. This is my little thing, right? We all have mental health. We all have physical health and we need to understand that. So when you think about, you know, take a baseball pitcher, right? They starting pitchers only pitch, you know, like every five days. 
and because and they can only throw so many pitches because if you just keep throwing day after day, your arm wears down, right? And so why would yep. the other parts of our body not react the same? You know, so our mind, when it's put underneath all that pressure, when you talk about your nervous system, right? Um, why would it mm -hmm. not change based on all the, the stress that's put on there? So I totally buy yeah. into that as well, too, that that happens. Yeah. And we have to look at the mental health side of our bodies just the same as we do with our physical health. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. the documentary, right, how did... <laughs> Well, let me back up first, you know, like you were told, you know, you'd be on medication forever, right? Um, you wouldn't be able to, you know, probably be successful in school. So let's talk about school, right? What, what drove you towards um, getting that MSW? So one of the benefits of military service is that you, you know, you get um, the GI Bill after service if you serve honorably or whatever. And I knew that I wanted to use that benefit, but I was so sick before that I really couldn't. So when I started to want to go back, I had to go through vocational rehab. It took me almost 10 years to finish school. Um, I did like the night and evening classes. I did all through the summer. I had to argue with my doctors a lot because they said like, you can't take more than six hours because you know, that you're not gonna be able to handle the stress. Um, so I slowly, slowly used disability accommodations and did what the doctors would allow me to do at the time. And I got through undergrad and then it came to a point where my counselor said, if you can't go full time, we're not going to let you go. And I was like, oh, my God, I don't think I can handle it. But I did handle it. And again, it was just like with a lot of, I guess what you would call, what do they call that? Hold on. Disability. I don't know. It's like I, you have to do all these. Oh, management strategies uh, to like yeah. manage. So I like I had to help had to have somebody that would help me clean the house, somebody that would walk the dog, someone that would help me with editing my papers. I had to use tutors. You know, I had to use all these things. It wasn't easy at all. Like I also have a history of brain injury. So concentration and, you know, all that stuff is affected. So it takes me all day to read like, you know, two papers for class where it might take my classmate 10 minutes. Mm -hmm. So it was extremely hard, but I yeah. knew that I wanted to do something in the social work arena because I noticed that psychology was very focused on the individual, that like there's something mentally ill about the individual, but social work looks at what context are they coming from? Like, what are the economic forces? What, you know, what's their family like? What, um, what, you know, history, the trauma history. So I was more interested in like learning about systems and the context of a person. And it kind of just fits into like what I experienced that I didn't, I didn't think of myself as like mentally ill. I thought of myself as like, I was in a broken system that treated me the wrong way. And that there was all these other forces affecting my life. It's not just because it's like something occurring in my brain all by itself, like on its own, you know. So, do you, so that's why I pick social work. Do you realize you're resilient? Because you are, right? I mean, do you? Uh, yeah. Do you ever? It's hard it for me to. Yeah. yeah. No. No, I still feel very much like I'm in survival mode all the yeah. time, and like. I and I think that's why this RV trip is also good for me for my own healing to just not to to give myself an excuse to chill and relax and just be myself, you know. Yeah, yeah. Which has been kind of hard when you're trying to trying so hard to finish school and try so hard to heal yourself, and it's it's been a, definitely a challenge. Definitely. Yeah, and it's a journey, right? It's a journey that will continue. Um, yeah, it is. Yeah, it and is. sometimes yes. you know you got to just slow down and also realize the progress you made is remarkable, um, and it's also that yeah. that that spirit you have as well too. 
um, just from listening yeah, to you today yeah. as well as the other time we met. It's like uh, definitely that mm -hmm. spirit is there. And so uh, it's really cool. Um, yeah. And I admire that. Thank you. Um, so the, the documentary, right? So how did that, how did that come about? Mm -hmm. um, how, how, how did you get connected into that? So what happened was I, this is a horrible story and it, it might be a little radical for your show, but I'm just uh -huh. going to be myself and do it, <laughs> say it anyway. But what happened was, what happened was I, um, I started experiencing intrusive thoughts and then they turned into suicidal thoughts and then they turned into suicidal urges. And I was terrified of myself. And I literally like called my sister and said, take care of the service dog. I have to go in the hospital right now. I drove myself to the hospital in Columbia, Missouri. And I basically told them like the medicine that I'm on is not working. And they cold turkeyed me off of it. Well, apparently they should not have done that because cold turkey, anything can cause an effect. Okay. Yeah. So when they did that, um, I experienced a movement disorder called akathisia, which is very under-recognized disorder. It appears like extreme anxiety and moving and you can't sit still, but it's like an inner torture. I can't explain it any other way, but it lasted for almost two years just from that medication being taken away from my body so quickly. So anyway, in that process, I had to seek support from non-medical people because it was like my doctors didn't believe it. And they just kept saying like, oh, it's just PTSD. And I'm like, no, this is physical. Something is physically wrong since you did that. You know, and my vision was affected, all kinds of stuff. So I went into a peer support group that was for people that had come off of medications and were experiencing similar things. And I was just helping. I was trying to help other people as a way to like cope with the experience I was having. So one of the documentary producers was in there and just started talking to me and said, "We, I really wanted to hear your story. Can I call you? So she called me and I told her my story and I told her that I had been in other documentaries before this one, you know, for Wounded Warrior Project and then like another one for the time I was in treatment or whatever. And so there was all this footage of me like being seriously mentally ill and then taking medications and just how it affected me. And then like now, you know, so she's like, this is really interesting. I want I, I want you to be in our documentary. And I said, no, I was like, I don't want to because I knew I was suffering so bad. I was like, no, I can't. I'm not doing that. You know, she said, well, I want to fly out and meet you in person. I want to talk to you. So she flew out from New York, wow. took me for a walk. And I remember I could barely, I could barely walk. I could barely leave my house. I was, ex I was basically bed bound for like two years, mm -hmm. even while going to school, like trying to keep in reality of some way. But she basically just wore me down and was like, we really want you to be in this film. You have to tell the story about veterans because there's a huge suicide rate in the veteran community of 20 veterans a day as you know and there's also um we have an over medication problem where a lot of people are put on like 13 15 medications and those veterans for you know find me somehow so um i i remember saying okay fine i'll just i'll do it and then when she left and i dropped her off at her hotel I remember thinking like, well, now I can't kill myself because like, I don't want to be in this documentary. And then at the end of the documentary, they say like, and Angie died by suicide, you know? Mm -hmm. So in a way it was kind of like, it kind of saved me because I knew like, okay, I can't, I wanted to escape that torture so bad, but I can't because I'm in this thing that has a bigger purpose and mm -hmm. this story has to be told and who's going to tell it if I, if I die, you know? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. When, yeah. you know, when you, when you realized you know, you needed to go to the hospital. How hard of a decision was that for you? Um, you know, because a lot of people, I think a lot of people struggle. Mm. You know, do I go? Do I not go? 
um, and you know, uh, there's that will to survive as well too. But for you to make that decision, like what were some of the factors that helped you make that decision? I don't know. I mean, I have really mixed feelings on hospitalization now because I've read the research about how it can increase your likelihood of suicide. And for me, when I sought help, I was greeted by two police officers in a plastic wheelchair. And I thought to myself, like, I am somebody in need of help and I'm here voluntarily and I'm not being violent or, and to me, that response is not the correct one. And I think really the mental health system needs to take a step back and like, look at what are we doing that's really not helpful. Like somebody is telling you, I wanna die and we are greeting them with police officers. Like something is, I get that we know we want from the mental health standpoint, you know, I have the, the patient lived experience and I have the mental health language because I studied to be a licensed clinical social worker, but I'm not going to get licensed right now. But so I see both sides of it that you want to keep the safety of the clinicians, but like, we need to think about like all those, it's almost like human rights, civil rights, you know, forced medication, ECT, all these things that we think are helping, but they can actually be violent you know, yeah. towards people that are suffering. Well, when you think about, you know, having, so you mentioned trauma-informed earlier, right? And as we try to build trauma-informed communities and, 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 and just interactions, but when you think about, you know, re-traumatizing re people. And so for you, right, yes. coming into that environment with two police officers in a plastic wheelchair, it's like that's a very re-traumatizing environment for a lot of people. It was, it was. Yeah, it was. And I mean, I don't know. There's just, I have mixed feelings. Like I, I absolutely think that everyone needs to talk about mental health, talk about how you're feeling, find somebody that you can, um, that can actually listen to you and just witness your own healing without trying to fix you. Like the fixing thing is a horrible, another thing, you know, but we all just want to help. But I also think we need to be humble a little bit and be like maybe what we're doing you know the suicide rate continues to climb in this country you know the medic the disability rate from psychiatric diagnosis continues to climb things are not looking good on the mental health horizon so i think our systems of care are kind of stuck in this place that might not all be helpful to all people and we need but there's no good like alternatives like if i if i need to you know go to the hospital but the hospital re-traumatizes me, what is the alternative to that? There's not very many alternatives, you know? So I'm, I'm a big fan of like re revamping the mental health system to finding more passionate, compassionate ways of caring and tra more trauma-informed care for sure. Yeah, just because this is the way we've always done it doesn't mean it needs to keep- Doesn't mean it works. Exactly. Yeah, or that it works yeah. for everyone, you know? So if a veteran yeah. is out there listening and they're contemplating the need for mental health treatment, um, what would be some advice or encouragement you could, you would give? Because the veterans culture, I mean, that's the thing we have to realize. It's a culture as well, too, right? And we need yeah, to acknowledge yeah. that with, um, from that cultural competence standpoint, too, as social workers. But what advice or encouragement could you give the veterans that are considering asking for help but nah, don't really want to? Yeah, well, I think for veterans, we have so many resources. It's like... It's it's an unimaginable how many things you could you could get yourself into. So maybe if therapy isn't something you want to do right away, I mean I'm a huge fan of therapy. That's what I trained to do is to be a therapist. I did peer mentoring. I love peer support groups. I love people talking to other people, building connection, being understood, being seen, being heard. Like I'm a huge fan of that. But there's 
all kinds of ways. If like, you just don't think therapy is the way you could um, do like equine therapy art. There's so many things even in St. Louis, like visions for vets in St. Louis does art. There's like writing workshops for veterans at the library. Um, we have a group on Facebook called St. Louis, hold on, Greater St. Louis, no, post 9-11 veterans of Greater St. Louis. And we post wow. constant message. And it's not just for, you know, post 9-11 veterans. We have caregivers in there, supporters. Um, we just post all kinds of resources and things to get involved in. I think, I think St. Louis counseling is also part of the Kaufman funds collaborative with the VA. Yeah. You guys are right. So yeah. if therapy is something you want to do, there's a huge collaborative in St. Louis where a veteran could just call Missouri Veterans Endeavor, which you can find by Googling, and they'll get you hooked with the therapist in the network of people that are more culturally aware of military stuff. So I think, I mean, I just think, I think veterans are very stubborn and they think that I got it together, I can handle it. You know, I just gotta go to work every day and pay the bills, but that can be miserable and that you always need somebody to talk to. Even if, if it's not your wife or your you know husband or a family member, therapy is a good option, you know, it, and it doesn't mean you have to do it forever. Like, you know, I, I've, I've had a therapist for 15 years, I think. It's something that I, I need in my own life, but we all gotta find our way and just don't be, I guess, don't be scared to, to find your way. It could be any way, it could be alternative medicine or acupuncture. There's so many choices and so many people that are out there willing to help veterans in, in particular. Well, yeah, I think that's, uh, I, I love the approach with that too, because I think sometimes there's that backdoor approach to mental health treatment where you get involved with um, a care group or art or something of that nature and you start realizing mm -hmm. there's other people out there experiencing similar symptoms and maybe, you know, you're, you're getting treatment and you don't even realize it because it doesn't, um, you know, it doesn't hurt that bad yeah. in that sense of what you're Absolutely. doing. Um, and so I think that's a great approach to have with people. Now, Wounded Warriors Project, you're a volunteer yeah. with them. So what, what, do, what do they do? So Wounded Warrior Project has about 20 programs ranging from, you know, bicycling, learning how to adaptive bicycle across the country. They'll take you on a bicycle trip or they have uh, peer support groups. They have job assistance to help you build a resume, learn how to interview that that falls under economic empowerment. They have another pillar called engagement where there's events in your local area for you and your family to attend. Um, and you get to meet other warriors. You get to learn about benefits. There's benefits assistance. There's um, adaptive sports, let me think. Oh, and then there's Warrior Care Network, which is an intensive outpatient program at four medical sites across the country for like kind of like a semi-inpatient, more outpatient, uh, post-traumatic stress, traumatic brain injury treatment. And it's all expenses paid from door to door. You, uh, even some of the programs you could bring your family with you, it usually ranges from like one to two weeks of intensive outpatient trauma treatment. And they're getting like really good results that the warriors that go to those programs really improve on their post-traumatic stress and depression and all those kind of things. So there's really something for everybody. Um, my role is just, I'm on the national campaign team. So if, you know, if there's a donor that wants a speaker, I'll go speak or something, or I help with the magazine ads and the print things, print materials, but on a local level, I'm a peer support group co-facilitator, but not while I'm on this RV trip, <laughs> but there's a peer support group in a lot of the cities and, and really it's just a bunch of guys and gals that get together. We have dinner, we talk for two hours. And kind of like you said, I've seen people change like overnight. They come in really quiet. 
they're really reserved. They don't want to say anything. And then the other guys start opening up that have been in the group longer, <clears throat> just talking about life or like what's going on in their life. And then the new warrior will start opening up and the, and you see them come back week after week and the light comes back on in their eye. They, they want to do stuff with the group. They start meeting other warriors outside of, you know, outside of the group. And it's just magic. Like it's wow. absolutely beautiful to watch and to be a witness to that. And it's like a non-clinical thing. It's just guys and gals with shared experience getting together, talking about what's important to them and other people listening. It's And I think, you know, that's another thing in our culture is that we want, we want everybody to go get professional help and like, oh, you, you know, you're telling me your story, but it's really intense. And like, I don't think I can handle it. So you need to go talk to somebody, but we can all be that somebody also. We shouldn't just be so quick to push everybody off, you know? So I see the warriors all the time, just, um, just they, they go from totally miserable to like thriving, like get a new job and get a haircut and get a new car. And like, they're just happy. And it's because of the magic of being around other warriors. It's wonderful. Relationships. It's so much about relationships. Yeah. So that's, that's awesome. Yeah. So how long are you on this trip for? Totally. Well, I'm booked out until February right now. Wow. The film premieres January 15th. So after the premiere, we have no idea what's going to happen. We don't know if there will be a request for a bunch of screenings everywhere or I have no idea what's going to happen. And that's part of the magic. Like, I don't know. Let's just see what happens. So that's it. Very cool. Very cool. So we've been uh, talking with Angie Peacock today on Mental Health Matters. Um, resilient individual that's uh, made a lot of strides in her life. And now she's making change, I think, uh, in the social work world, in the veterans world. And, uh, you know, I think that social work degree is, that was the right degree because, you know, you identified. I do too. A, yeah, a lot of your passion and uh, what, where you can make change. So I'm so happy we were mm -hmm. able to connect today. Um, and uh, I'm very appreciative Me too. for your time. Thank you too. so much. Yeah, and right now you're out Thank there you so in much. Austin, 82 degrees out there. We're here in St. Louis. I think well, it's that 27. Was, yeah. Oh my goodness. I don't miss it. I'll tell you yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, uh, one of my favorite yoga people is in Austin, uh, Adrian. Uh, yoga with Adrian. Oh, really? What? She's awesome. So yoga with Adrian? Yoga with Adrian. <gasps> I used her a lot. Yeah. Did no you? way. I'm going to oh. go find. Yes, I used she's it a lot. Austin. It was really great. She's here. Yep. She's well, I'm going to have to go find it. Do oh it. my gosh. If you find her, tell her about wow, me. Wow, that's cool. All right. Great. So um, I yeah, will. I promise awesome. I'll take a picture. Okay. Awesome. That's awesome. I didn't well, know thank that. thank you. Yeah. Yeah. So definitely check her out. Check her out. So um, Angie, thank you so much for uh, being a part of this and we will talk again real soon. Thank you so much for having me. All right. Take care. And this has been another episode of Mental Health Matters. Until next time, this is Tom Duff, St. Louis Counseling. See you later.